Pastor Phil is a great encouragement uh, to me and the ministry that I'm doing at Home of Christ One. So you guys are very lucky to have Pastor Phil and his commitment and his dedication to you guys. Uh, often, you know, in ministry as pastors, we can be quite lonely, uh, face discouragement, but uh, Pastor Phil has always been there to encourage me, to question me, and to also, um, yeah, just keep me in check in ministry, and that's such, been such a great blessing. So it's really good to have uh, Pastor Phil not only as a co-partner and a co-laborer in Christ, but as a good friend. So, yeah, you guys are very, very blessed. And um, so, yeah, why don't we give Pastor Phil a, a round of applause for all the work that he does for you guys. So I know you guys are going through the book of Acts. Uh, today, we're looking at Acts chapter 8, verse 4 to 25. And throughout the book of Acts, we can see the church, the first century Christians being persecuted. And we can see how they face trial and we can see how they face all sorts of testing and all sorts of persecution and and how they respond and from this we can see the gospel just continues to advance the gospel continues to spread among the among the nations so today we're gonna look at acts chapter 8 verse 4 to 25 and if you have your bibles i encourage you to turn to your bibles or your smartphones and we're just going to look through this piece of passage in, in two parts. In two parts. So, Acts chapter 8, verse 4 to 25. I'll be reading it in the ESV version. So, Philip proclaims Christ in Samaria. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Verse 9, But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Verse 14, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, 
of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of inequity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Verse 25, Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks powerfully to us. And Lord, may this time be a time of encouragement and edification for your people. Lord, may you take away any distractions that we have in our hearts. And Lord, let us be focused on, on, on worship. Worship of you, O oh God, our mighty Savior. Thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Thank you for all the things that you continue to do. Lord, may you bless the congregation here at Home of Christ for. And Lord, may the gospel continue to be preached from this pulpit and in the surrounding neighborhood. Now, pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not sure what your family dinners are like, but normally, my family dinners back at home in Australia, we have the aunties sitting on one side of the of the room, we have the uncles sitting on one side, and normally all the uncles are just talking about cars, they're talking about their jobs, the kids are just sitting in one table and they're playing Uno or Monopoly Deal. And the mums, I've noticed, all the aunties, they're having a racist conversation. They're very racist, alright? And they're not racist to any other race, but they're racist to Asians. They're racist to any people who are outside of the Taiwanese race. Now, this to me is quite striking because as a result of this racism that we grew up with as children, you know, we start to feel a bit uncomfortable with the people who are, who are a bit different and who are culturally a bit different to us or who have a different, different skin colour to us. But it got me thinking this week, what does God think about all this? See, we're going to see from this chapter how the Spirit of God empowers the church and empowers us to cross racial boundaries, ethnic and cultural boundaries, to share the gospel. You see, we are all different, but we are united in one because of Christ. So let's pick up the story again from verses 4 to 8. The context is, Saul ravages the church. He drags men and women outside of the church. He persecutes them and he executes them. So now those who were scattered, they went about preaching the word. Verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. So the crowds with one accord, they paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs they did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And the result of this was there was much joy in that city. You see, we read here that Philip, the deacon and evangelist, was driven out of Jerusalem by the persecution of Saul, and he went down to a city to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, this gospel that Philip was preaching was not any ordinary message. It was a life-transforming message that God came down in flesh through Jesus Christ to die for our sins on the cross, and because of His sacrifice, He has restored to us a right relationship before God Himself. No amount of sacrifice or good works can get you right before God. 
But Christ has come to bridge that gap between man and God. This was the crux of the message that Philip was preaching to the people in Samaria. Now this was amazing because the gospel crosses racial boundaries. In John chapter 4 verse 9, the Jews and the Samaritans were known for not associating with one another. They hated one another. The Jews viewed Samaritans as half-breeds, as heretics, and rejected them because of their beliefs. The Jews worshipped in in Jerusalem, while the Samaritans worshipped in Mount Gerizim. There was so much tension and beef between these two groups. Now, to help us understand this tension, it's sort of like the Israelites and the Palestinians, or maybe the Chinese and the Japanese. But if you, and if you recall the, this, this parable of the Good Samaritan told by Jesus, the Jews would have been shocked because there is no such thing as the Good Samaritan. For in the Jews' eyes, all Samaritans were bad. Now, in history, in 6 AD, during the Passover, the tension was so great that when the Jews were celebrating the Passover, the Samaritans would troll the Jews. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll, they'll scatter the bones of a dead man in the court of the temple in Jerusalem as an act of defilement. And this would enrage the Jews and, and further intensify their animosity. And so the Jews cursed the Samaritans and they hoped and they prayed to God every day that God would not save any of them. So first we see this. The gospel of Jesus Christ was able to cross forbidden cultural boundaries. Why? Because Christ makes peace between the two people groups. Because of His flesh, He has broken down the dividing wall of hostility between any racial group. Christ and His sacrifice creates this unified new people group through His flesh. We have all become united as one because of Christ. Now, what does this look like for your community here? What does this look like for Home of Christ 4 in Saratoga? Is this a place where the gospel is being preached and is able to bring people to church, even if they look a bit different to us, even if they have a different social status to us? You see, this ought to challenge us as Chinese churches in the Bay Area. See, we love to hang out with ABCs, American-born Chinese, or people who have a certain social status. But to those who look a bit different, we're scared or we don't really want to cross over and build relationships with them. You see, with my own experience at church, growing up in a predominantly Chinese church, whenever I saw Caucasian, Australian Caucasian people come into my home church, I was a bit scared to talk to them, even though I knew English. Because my comfort level was with ABCs, Australian-born Chinese. (laughs) Are we able to cross racial boundaries because of the gospel of Jesus Christ? The second amazing thing that happened here was that there were many signs and wonders that were being performed alongside the preaching of the gospel. You see, God was confirming the truthfulness of Philip's message with signs and wonders. And crowds were just gathering with enthusiasm to see what was going on. People were being healed. The lame were being healed. People who were paralyzed were being healed. Unclean spirits were coming out of people. 
And what's interesting to note here is that Philip, he was only a deacon. He did not have an apostolic position. Now some argue that only apostles could perform these miracles. But we see here that Philip was just your average layman. And as he preached the gospel, he accompanied with signs and wonders. The author Luke introduces a new character into the scene by the name of Simon. Verses 9 to 13. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying that this man is a power of God that is called great. They paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. Verse 12, But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, I'm not sure how many of you know the Americans Got Talent winner, Shing Lim. Who's watched Shing Lim on YouTube before? EGT, right? America's Got Talent. He's, a, he's an amazing performer, a magician, card tricks. Now, people would say he is the greatest of all time, the goat of, of, of card tricks. Now imagine this, Xing Lim witnesses the preaching of the gospel, accompanied with signs and wonders, he's gobsmacked and he's struck with awe at what God is doing, and he comes to believe. Now what more could an evangelist want? Even Simon, who was called great, but the people were calling him the goat, the greatest of all time. Even he believed and was baptized. People were responding to God's power and presence. Now imagine this at Hockford. Pastor Phil, just like Philip the deacon, was preaching the gospel with power. People were hungry to listen. People were not fooling around in Sunday school or looking at their phones. And people who, who were struggling emotionally to spiritually, people who had any illness, Addictions would be broken. People who had any physical disabilities would be prayed over. And people would just wait and see what God would do in their lives. Now imagine that scene. Wouldn't it be great if Home of Christ 4 was a church like that in this neighborhood? People would come out of their houses to come and listen to the good news of Jesus Christ. Unclean spirits like addiction to, to pornography, to, to lying, to to pride would just be leaving people. The spirit of unbelief would also be driven out. And the result of all this was that there was just so much joy. This would be like Chinese New, e Chinese New Year. So much joy because of all the red pockets. It would be like that every Sunday. Chinese New Year celebration. Now I want you to think about this and take home from what I've just said. This community here at Home of Christ 4 will only grow if the gospel is being preached and the power of the Holy Spirit is active in the life of this church. This community will only grow if the gospel is being preached and the power of the Holy Spirit is active in the life of the church. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, he said, My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, 
but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He says to the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. See, it is my conviction that as a church, we need not smarter things to say or great words of wisdom or TED Talks or podcasts. Those are not bad. They have their place in educating us in different topics. But ultimately, what the church of Jesus Christ needs is a demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of the Holy Spirit. You see what happens in Acts chapter 2? The disciples, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it drastically changed the way they lived. It drastically changed their faith from doubt and fear to boldness and conviction. You see, God has brought each and every one of you to this congregation, in this area for a divine purpose. Some of you may be located here because of work. Some of you may be located here because your parents attend this church. Whatever the reason, there is a purpose for you in this city. And in God's great plan and orchestration, He has placed you here at Home of Christ for under the leadership of Pastor Phil to carry out the Great Commission. And the great thing about all this is this. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you are able to go and witness. Now, I'm not sure whether any of you have had this experience, either at school or in the workplace. Your teacher or your boss gives you a project or a question to work on, drops it on your table and leaves. There's no guidance. There's no formulas. And he says to you, when I'm back from lunch break, this better be back on my table with the answer. So you have no idea what is the necessary steps to take. You haven't had any guidance whatsoever. But you see, when it comes to the great commission given from our Lord Jesus, Jesus doesn't just flake on us and, and drop something at us and say, see you later, and when I come back, you better be evangelizing. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit so that we are able to carry out these tasks. From sharing good, the good news to our friends, to our family, to having the power and the wisdom to counsel and pray for those who are suffering, the Lord sends the person of the Holy Spirit among us to help us and lead us. Now here, this morning, I want to specifically mention three things that the Holy Spirit does that helps us and helps us testify to the gospel. The first thing is this. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper. In John chapter 16, verse 7, it says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Dear friends, when you are feeling powerless, when you're tired, or when you feel like you have failed in life, you can have confidence as a believer that you're not alone. Jesus Christ sends the promise of the Holy Spirit as a helper to help us get by. Not only does it help us to sustain, to energize us, to keep us on track in our spiritual journey, He helps us in our weakness. He helps us in our evangelism. There's been times in my own life when I feel weak and when I feel burdened with everything that life chucks at me. But the Holy Spirit is able to come in and empower me for the important task ahead. Second, the Holy Spirit helps us 
to carry out the Father's will. The Holy Spirit helps us to carry out the Father's will. In Acts chapter 8, verse 29, the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. Philip was evangelizing to the Ethiopian eunuch. The Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. You see, throughout the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit directing people to do the will of God. You see, often we don't want to do the will of God. We want to follow the ways of our own flesh. We want to follow our own way and do our own things. But the Holy Spirit is able to help us tune into the voice of the Father and in faith, we are able to carry out His will. How can we ask the Holy Spirit to show us today what we ought to do? Third, the Holy Spirit gives you gifts for the ministry. The Holy Spirit gives you gifts for the ministry. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 11. 1 Corinthians chapter, 4, chapter 12, verse 4 to 11. One Corinthians chapter twelve verse four to eleven. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, to an ability to distinguish between Spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually, as He wills. I believe the Holy Spirit imparts to believers gifts that are needed in the life of the church. Nobody receives all these gifts. They are distributed among the body of Christ. Each person has a different gift. The gift that you will receive, God has placed into your life to carry out His kingdom task. Now, we read into part two of the story. The apostles Peter and John, they rock up to the scene. The apostles followed Philip's lead and ensured that the new believers had the spirit. So let's go back to Acts chapter 8, verse 14 to 17. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem, they heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now if you have come across these verses before, there's a point of debate among many different denominations. Some would argue, how come the Spirit had to be given again to the Samaritan believers? Wasn't the Holy Spirit already at work or present when they came to believe at conversion? How come the Holy Spirit was delayed? Is this a second blessing that they received? 
You see, these are just some of the questions that may arise in your minds when you read this passage. Now you see, Christians from different denominations will have different opinions on how to look at this verse. Most will view this situation as a separate or a very unusual situation. Others will view it as a model to follow for a second blessing or like a spirit baptism. See, my, my aim today is not to resolve such differences. And I believe it can't be resolved here. But one point is very clear to us. In light of the whole narrative of Acts, the Samaritans receiving the Spirit from the apostles from Jerusalem made them not just recipients of the gospel mission, but partners in that mission. You see, these Spirit-filled Samaritans would now be able to work alongside and spread the message about Jesus. Now, I think it's fair to say that this extraordinary event was to bring unity between the Jews and the Samaritans. I previously mentioned the tension, the ears of beef between these two cultural groups. So it was very significant from Peter and John coming from the head church to lay hands upon them to receive the Holy Spirit. This was their sort of stamp of approval, cutting of the ribbon, to declare to them that because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is now unity and there's a joint partnership in declaring the gospel. See, the Samaritans, by them receiving the Holy Spirit, is showing the disciples and the believers back in Jerusalem that they had now been fully accepted into the church of Jesus Christ. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon these first Samaritans was proof of their equality with the Jerusalem believers. Second, my personal conviction is that the Holy Spirit not only works in us to produce faith, but the Spirit's ministry is also able to impart gifts to each believer. Now this special impartation of spiritual gifts, I believe upon the believers, is to better equip ourselves to advance the gospel with boldness and conviction. Now, I believe in this passage, it's talking about some power. Now, I don't know which sort of power it is. Because Simon the magician in verse 19 says, Give me this power. I don't know what that power looks like. Some say it was tongues. Some say it was prophecy. Some say it was a boldness to proclaim the gospel. Whatever that power it was, it's my personal conviction that the imparting of the spiritual gifts are needed for the building up of the church. I don't believe that the spiritual gifts have ceased. Now from my understanding of scripture and from what we read from 1 Corinthians, I believe spiritual gifts continue to be active in the life of the church and it's needed to not only build up the individual, but to build up the church. Now whatever this power was, we read here that Simon the magician, he wanted that power. See, magicians back then, they were used to buying magic tricks. But one thing that Simon couldn't buy was the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 to 20. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. 
But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Verse 21, You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of the wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord, that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of inequity. Verse 24, And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. You see, what the apostles did for the laying of hands and Philip performing signs and miracles were not tricks that we can learn on an online magic school. They were genuine miracles from God. And they pointed to a message beyond the greatness of the miracle worker. We can learn two things from Simon the Magician this morning. First, is for us leaders or people with leadership, whether you're in the pastor or elder, you lead small groups or you lead worship. In Simon, we see a man who wants the spotlight on him. And he's envious when it's no longer his. You see, the problem is this. As humans, we are weak. We fail all the time. We are prone to wonder in our hearts. When we see someone get prayed over, when we see the sick get healed, when we see the gospel being proclaimed with power, our immediate attention goes to that pastor. So imagine this, if Pastor Phil preaches the gospel with full power, demonstration of the Spirit, afterwards he's praying for people, people are being healed, some of you may start worshipping Phil. But what we have to remember is this, everything that we do as leaders or as Christians whether it be leading from the front, leading praise, we must point people to the greatness of God. It must point people to a crucified Savior who can forgive our sins. You see, I fall into this temptation myself. When I hear encouragement, when I see my gifts being recognized or being affirmed by other people, when I receive emails after emails, I have to go home and pray and repent of my sin. And I have to ask, Lord, am I stealing the glory from you? I'm stealing glory from you, Lord. I'm not pointing to people to Christ. I'm pointing people to myself. Second, Simon the Magician warns us that not everyone who believes and baptized is a real disciple. Not everyone who believes and is baptized is a real disciple. Now, I'm, I'm very careful in saying this. There is such things as false conversions. A lot of people get baptized, but some don't actually become disciples of Jesus Christ. I've heard many stories like this in the underground church in China. People would get baptized, people would come to believe. It looks genuine, but they only got baptized so that they could spy on the underground church. Now, I think at first, I believe Simon genuinely believed in the sense that he was amazed at what was happening. He was amazed at the, the, the gospel, the demonstration of the Spirit. But a problem arised later on. He seemed to have believed Jesus and something else. Jesus and his magic tricks. Jesus and his own agenda. Jesus and his own platform. You see, a lot of us can fall into this temptation as well. It's Jesus and me. In other words, I'll follow Jesus, but on my own terms. 
I'll follow Jesus, but I'll choose to believe what I want. I'll follow Jesus because he's nice to have, but I'll also follow sex, money, and power. But the true gospel of Jesus Christ demands everything in our lives. It demands our all. See, we must die to every single thing if we are to live fully in surrender to Christ. Simon is a guy who wants Jesus in his life, but he doesn't want to give full control to Jesus. Dear friends, are we like Simon the magician in this way? We want Jesus in our life, but we don't want to give up pornography. We want Jesus in our life, but we don't want to give up our friends who lead us astray. We want Jesus in our life, but we aren't willing to die to pride. Let this be a strong encouragement to us that when we follow Jesus, we must fully surrender our whole being to Jesus. Verse 25. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to spread like wildfire. It cannot be contained. It is an unstoppable force. Today, till this day, 2,000 years later on, it continues to transform lives. It continues to be preached. It continues to be proclaimed in all different areas of the world. People continue to die for this message. Let me ask you this question before I close. Do you know the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you know that you are forgiven and loved by God Himself? If you do, then are you committed to this gospel movement? Are you committed to this great commission in your schools, in your workplace, among your friends, in your families? Those are the questions I want to leave you with. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is able to transform and change lives. Lord, we just pray that your gospel continue to spread like wildfire among the nations. Continue to spread like wildfire in the community of Saratoga. Continue to spread among our friends and our families by the way we live by our actions, by our speech, Lord, the gospel continue to be preached until you come again, until we meet you at your face. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the gospel. Help us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we are able to carry out your great commission with signs, with wonders, with power, with conviction, with boldness. Lord, thank you for your church. Thank you that this is a pillar of foundation of the truth. Thank you that we can gather here week in, week out and hear the gospel proclaimed. Lord, help us not to look to our own agenda. Help us to not build our own platform, but help us each and every week to point people to the greatness of God. Help us, O oh God. We thank you for this church. We thank you for your word. And we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.